You're listening to Wharfside, stories from Portland Harbor's working waterfront. I'm Galen Koch. Today, I'm on the main state pier with Portland Tugboat. On a gray day in Portland, the crew of the tugboat Andrew McAllister wait to be called out for their third run of the morning. The tugboat was founded by my family in 1985 and sold to the McAllister family in 2001 where I remained on as the president. That's Brian Fournier, docking pilot and president of Portland Tugboat. Brian and the crew on these tugboats have an important job in Portland Harbor. They are responsible for guiding ships in and out of the port safely. We are the workhorses of this port. Remember that. When all these other little boats are out here and it's cold in the middle of the night, we're here. 24-7. The tugs are powerful little boats, but they're also in a word, cute. I like to keep tugboats cute. I like that people like to look at tugboats in that light. You know, we're not really in the crosshairs of, of, of the nastiness yet, but because they have the little engine that could sort of mentality. In the Andrews wheelhouse, Captain John Reeves steers the tugboat out into the channel. A large tanker comes into view. This is the Acadian. Today, it's full of gasoline and has to make its way from this anchorage near Spring Point to a dock at the head of the Four River. The Andrew pulls up alongside the ship, and Brian climbs up a Jacob's Ladder to get on board. My father was a docking pilot. My father actually trained me to become a pilot. He wasn't my training pilot, per se, but he was, it was funny to train with your father, you know. One, one Greek captain leaned over to me and said, I couldn't teach my son how to drive a car, but yet here you are learning to drive a ship from your father. It's like, that's fairly special, and it was. And I still, almost on every job, picture something he said as I'm doing it. It was an honor to learn from him. He was quite a good pilot. He started this company with a tugboat he bought, he purchased for one dollar. Found this derelict old boat that some guy wanted to sell, he bought it for a dollar. It didn't have an engine, so he found there was a broken down Greyhound bus up on Route 93, headed towards New Hampshire, and he went and stole the the engine out of it and put it in this tugboat for one dollar. Once he's on the ship, Brian takes control of the radio and navigation. The Casco Bay Bridge needs to open in order for the ship to pass under it. The trick is calling it in just at the right time, because when that bridge is open, it means no one is commuting over it. For most Portlanders and South Portlanders, what ships are an inconvenience because the bridge will be up. And what did I have that bridge open today? Nine minutes? So, perspective. And the funny thing about it is people that complain the most, you know, they heat their homes and they drive their cars, and that doesn't just appear. A wailing siren sounds as the Casco Bay Bridge opens. It's a narrow passage to navigate. The Andrew stays off the starboard corridor, that's back right for landlubbers, while the other tugboat, Rowan, trails behind. It's fairly commonplace to see ships being guided through the harbor, but the logistics of this operation are staggering. Typically, ships carry gasoline, heating oil, rock salt, or asphalt, depending on the demands of Maine's economy. So summertime for us is busy drive time with tourists, so we'll see more gasoline. Wintertime, obviously, it's very cold, so we'll see more heating oil. But so we're in the we're in the peak of the summer drive time right now, and we're, so that ship was loaded with gasoline. And if any of that spills into the harbor, the consequences could be devastating. I mean, this is waterborne commerce. If there's an interruption, if there's a if there's a 
a, a casualty that closes down this port, it's trouble for the entire state of Maine, for the economy. Keeping the product in the ship is the most important. The safety of the people in the environment is key and paramount. I mean, there, you can't have a spill, you can't have an accident. But something could go wrong in, the, in a second. It just, somebody once said that tugboating is, and this is an old adage, it's been around forever, is 99% boredom and 1% sheer terror. As the bridge closes behind the Acadian, John's radio begins to crackle incessantly. Dan, bring it right up to one-third, John. Brian barks directions from the Acadian, while Andrew and Rowan blow their whistles to signal back. Like, so it's, it's one, one whistle to come ahead, one whistle to stop, or two whistles for any kind of backing command. Three quarters, Andrew. At this point, the tugboats are perpendicular to the ship, pushing it toward the dock so the linemen can tie it safely, securing it in place. It's an intricate dance, and Brian is a commanding presence, even through the crackling radio. Say, Brian, you were right. I thought I could fix it. I thought I could fix it. Okay, let me hear what you're supposed to say. You are right. Thank you. Once the lines are tied and the Acadian is secured to the dock, Brian descends the rope ladder to rejoin the crew on the Andrew. This transit is done for the day, and I have to say, they made it look pretty easy. We like flying under the radar. My job, as important as I am to the whole operation, I, I depend on the deckhand. So a, a simple deckhand could make my job just catastrophic. So I depend on everybody from the guys on the shore, the guy on the bridge, the guy on the, my, my deckhands. I mean, it's a, it's a team effort. Like I said, I'm a valet parking lot attendant, but I'm also a, a conductor of an orchestra. And, and they, we all have to be in tune. The crew heads back through Portland Harbor to the main state pier, another ship safely piloted through the port. Wharfside Stories from Portland Harbor's Working Waterfront is funded by the Waterfront Alliance and Casco Bay Estuary Partnership. Thanks for listening. <laughs>